another episode of Opera After Dark. Guesses, three guesses of what we're talking about, I and if you know. listened last week, you should know, mm-hmm. or if you, well, in any case. So this is the final episode in our What the Hell series. What the hell? The mm-hmm. Motherlode, the dumbest opera ever to still grace the stage of operatic stages. <laughs> Naomi's, Naomi's a offended. Harsh. Yeah, Naomi's offended by that comment. It's trovatory, dumbest, people. Dumbest opera plot. Most ridiculous opera plot. Convoluted, yes. Dumbest. Okay. All right. Well, Worst we'll let everyone... Worst opera ever <laughs> written. Ever written. Shame. 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 Okay. So, well... Naomi obviously has a soft spot for this, so we're going to take it over to you, and you okay. can have the job of trying to explain to people what actually happens in this. Okay. Because I've seen it twice, and I still don't 100% know... <laughs> I've never seen the opera. Mm. I've seen Naomi lecture about it. Oh, well, there you and go. And so I actually have a pretty good understanding. Um, perhaps me. if we're lucky, maybe on the blog or somewhere else, we'll see one of Naomi's wonderful plot charts. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, well, Naomi. All right, well, our composer is the beloved Giuseppe Verdi. Sucks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was a, he's awesome. Otherwise known as the amazing Joe Green. Yes. And ah, yes. Yes. So, Trovatore is written at the end of a period where he's been writing a lot of different operas. And he's been starting to kind of push the boundaries with things a little bit. And so he writes things like Traviata that has these like long through composed scenes. And then he goes kind of back to Trovatore where you have kind of number opera structure and it has this incredibly convoluted plot. And so the story comes from a writer by the name of Antonio Garcia Gutierrez. And it's based on a play, and there's a Verdi scholar that described it as high-flown, sprawling melodrama, flamboyantly defiant of the Aristotelian unities, packed with all manner of fantastic and bizarre incident. Totally. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what yeah, I yeah. think every yeah. time I hear it. And it's uh, <laughs> set to a li- opera libretto by Salvatore Camareno, who Verdi worked with several times, and it translates to Il Trovatore, basically means the troubadour, Mm. all right? And the play by Gutierrez is called El Trovador. It was performed slash published in 1836. And so this is something that became pretty popular, the story itself, which is why Verdi decided to set it to music. So, the plot. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> I'm ready. Before we get into this, I do want to say that for a long time before he decided to call it Trovatore, he called it Il Zangara. Uh, oh, shit. Il Zingara, which means the gypsy. Ah. Because there's a debate as to who the main character is, and a lot of people think it is Azucena. Oh. Ah. <laughs> Go yes. on. But so. The patriarchy. The patriarchy. Right. Obviously. Well, Azucena is. 
fierce, as we shall see. In the plots, you can decide who you think the true main character is after all this. All right, <laughs> let's get into this. Let's talk about some baby bonfires. <laughs> oh! <laughs> giving it away. Right there, right there. You okay. don't see it. And I think that is where the confusion stems from. Yes. Because there's so much plot that happens before the opera starts. Definitely. There's things that happen off stage, and there's things that you're just supposed to know yeah. when, the op- when the curtain rises, like backstory of these characters that... Audiences, when it premiered, probably would have known, but are so lost on us today that you need to kind of read up a little mm-hmm. to figure out what's going on. Do they know because they've seen the play? Or was the play like really popular? popular? I think it was pretty popular. Okay. Huh. So, and the story itself was pretty popular. The Hamilton of its day. Maybe. Yeah. Or, that, I mean, that would be like if there actually was a Harry Potter opera. Like, people going to see a Harry Potter opera know certain things about Harry Potter, right? True. Or people right. going to see The Cursed Child already know certain things about Harry Potter. Yes, there you go. Right. Exactly. All right, so we have two men, Manrico and Di Luna. Mm -hmm. Right? Count Di Luna. And it just so happens that Manrico and Di Luna are brothers. But they don't actually know this, okay? Okay. So because they don't know this because... uh, De Luna Sr., so the father of these two, mm-hmm. um, at one point he burned Atsuchena Sr. on a pyre, right? Mm. And Atsuchena Sr. is the mother of Atsuchena. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So. Stands to reason, I mean. <laughs> right? She's never actually named, it's just I had to give them names in order to make gotcha. sense of this, right? right? Okay. So. Uh, in revenge for burning her mother on a pyre, Atsuchena abducts baby Manrico. Mm. Okay? And to avenge her mother. And then it just so happens that at the same time that she abducted baby Manrico, Atsuchena also had a baby of her own. I call him baby Atsucheno. Mm. Right? Mm. <laughs> and so. She abducts Monrico, and then in all of the confusion, her plan is always to throw Monrico into the pyre where her mother is burning the baby Monrico in order to, you know, get revenge. But she wait, mis- wait, 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 wait. Same pyre? Same pyre, I think. There's only one in the yeah. town. It happens oh. it happens before the curtain rises, so I'm assuming. But like while like at the same time that her mom's burning? No, after. In revenge. Right? I don't know. If it's after her mother's already burnt or while her mother's burning, she sees the like baby off knows. on the side. Maybe. What? She's oh. going to toss it the one pyre in town. <laughs> hey, this I'm is where we're burning the witches. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. I'm just, don't, doesn't your town have one of those? Only one. Okay. I'm, I'm just trying to get clarity so we know the timeline. Also, if, if I know correctly what's what happens in all this, it would make sense if it was a hurried... Uh, you know, a, a quick affair. Well, I right. think it had to have been like a flurry of confusion, and so I'm guessing this is all happening like while her mother's burning on a pyre. Mm-hmm. Atsuchena looks and sees baby Monrico and is like, "Haha! I can enact my revenge if I abduct him but then and throw him into the pyre." Put him down. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so I don't know exactly how she gets this confused, but in all of the confusion, she mistakes her own baby for baby Monrico and ends up tossing her own baby into the fire. See, this is where 
You get lo- like my problems begin with this. Oh, that well, I mean, take long. the opera hasn't started. <laughs> no, the opera hasn't even started yet. This is all backstory. But like, so, so let's look at it from a logistical standpoint, just for one second. So, Mama Azucena is burning in the town pyre. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Where the witch is burning. Where the witch is burning. Everyone is standing around. Deluna and his kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Sons. <laughs> you need to see this. And their mother, I guess. I'm assuming she's there. I don't know. Whatever. Right. Maybe she died during childbirth. Are Maybe. they twins? It just says they're brothers. Okay. I don't think they're, they're twins. twins. Okay. No, no, they're not because it's very clear that one of them is older than the other. We'll gotcha. get that. Okay. Okay. Um, so we're all standing around this fire, this bonfire. This woman is being burned alive. Um, wait, why is she being burned alive? She's a witch? I'm not 100% sure. Just say she's a witch. She's a okay. Witch. We'll assume. We'll assume she's a witch. She's chance a gypsy. Of... She's an enemy of the Delunas. Fine. So 70% chance she's a witch. She's a witch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Azucena is distraught as she would be. She brought her own kid to this affair. Why, I don't know. Yeah. But fair. Maybe she knew it was happening and she ran out and, you know, the father's not around. It's hard to get daycare, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Or maybe they were going to go see Grandma. One last time. Oh, no. Oh. While she's, oh, that's not a good last time, it's though. Not, no. Um, it, it's a baby. Like, the baby's not going to remember. That's true. Like she, brings the, she brings the baby because she can't leave the baby by itself. That right. is irresponsible parenting. Yeah. Um, so at some point, she puts her baby down. And it's like, I'm going to kill another kid. Screw you, Delunas. So she grabs that baby, puts that baby down. <laughs> Maybe she was holding her baby the whole time and then grabbed another baby. She's got two babies in her arms. And in a quick flash, you know, she's not used to holding two babies. And then she just like... She just goes, oh! (laughs) (laughs) Which one's mine? I don't know. No! Because she knows at a certain point. I mean... Right. Do babies look alike? I don't think that they do. I guess, you know, it's dark. Let's say it's at night. <laughs> that, that is when you burn witches at the stake, is it? Right. Night? According, fair. according to every movie I've seen. Fair, fair. The pyre only functions at night. But at the, so at the start of the opera, Atsuchena knows that it was her baby that was burnt. By the time the curtain opens, she knows this. Yeah. Well, because it's like 20 years after the fact, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. But oh, I'm okay. sure that she figured it out as soon as she looked down at the one kid left in her arms and was like, like ah, oh, that's not my baby. Shit. I yeah. think we found a pretty good scenario where she has both babies in her arms and she just accidentally That's the dumbest like, thing that I've ever heard. It's just like, really? <laughs> hey. Okay, well, somehow we, we have to keep rolling. Yes. I, I, think, I think we can all say that she's not a good mom. Well, yeah. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. We can move on. But she's, okay. not, she's not a good mom. No, no. And where's the dad? Gone. Yeah, well, I mean, that's probably not her fault. No, not her fault at all. No. Yeah. Deadbeat dad. Fell yeah. With the wrong guy. <laughs> Baby daddy, you know. All, all right. right. Naomi, please. <laughs> please, continue. <laughs> so, seeing that she's accidentally burnt her own child, <laughs> she looks down at Monrico and decides to raise him as her own. Mm-hmm. Right. right? And the babies are interchangeable. Well, this is where I think she gets into her mind a long game revenge plan. Okay? So mm-hmm. just bear with me. She looks down at this baby. She knows that it's Deluna's brother. She knows it's the son of Deluna Sr. And so she has some long game revenge in mind. We're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. The curtain hasn't risen yet. 
All right. The so, curtain has not risen yet. Yeah. So then as she's raising Manrico as her own, she instills in him this intense, deep hatred towards the Delunas. Mm -hmm. And so they are raised, Manrico and Deluna, as complete rivals. Are they? But they're not like hanging out in the same circles, right? No, but like their families are like warring. It's small town. Yeah, it's you know. Let's <laughs> got the one fire. Everybody knows right. everybody. So, <laughs> Deluna and Monrico are rivals. The curtain opens around the time where we don't actually see this happening. So before the curtain rises, uh, Monrico has met Leonora. For the first time. Mm -hmm. She's a girl in the town that he likes. Super right? hot. And so, the, again, this is like 16, 18 years later. Okay? Mm -hmm. And hot. so he falls in love with Leonora, like, at first sight. They've had maybe one conversation with each other. Okay? Right. And they decide that they are in love. But, so around this time, the curtain rises, and we're slowly piecing together that Leonora and Manrico are in love. And then we also find out that Di Luna has seen Leonora from afar and knows who she is, and he has also fallen in love with her. Okay? So. Such a liberally used word in opera, theater, what? really any story. In love? When people, like, yeah, they see people. Right. Well, she's probably the only girl in town. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so oh. many operas. Yeah, of course. People like they meet one time and then instantly they're ready to die for La Boheme, like they fall in love within the span of five minutes. So. That's true. A but little, it's beautiful. A little bit creepy. For some yeah. reason that's more believable because their aim from the very get-go is not to like die for each other. Right. But you right. have certain operas, I don't know which exactly coming to mind, but I know we've we, all seen Aida. this. Yeah. That's true. Well, we don't know. Presumably, they've had like a longer-ranging relationship. I mean, they're fair. They but, fall in love. I guess it's over the course of an evening. But in any case, it doesn't matter. It's like in their first conversation together, there's mention of like, "I would die for you," and right. then you're like, "Right, okay." And I mean, it becomes there. super problematic in this opera because there's a whole lot of stuff that Leonora does not know about Monrico, mm. right? Mm. Which becomes an issue mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, Di Luna's in love with Leonora. Manrico's in love with Leonora. Di Luna has this plan that he is, uh, attempts to capture Atsuchena because Di Luna knows that Atsuchena burned his brother on the pyre, right? Yeah, he they thinks, were all there. Yeah, they were all there. They all saw her throw a baby into the fire. Mm -hmm. They think it's... Manrico. Their, their brother, right? And so to get revenge on Atsutena, he decides, or to punish her, he's going to capture her or abduct her. All right. So Manrico attempts and fails to rescue Atsutena. Okay. And then in the process, Di Luna ends up capturing Manrico. Uh. Okay. So then Leonora goes to Di Luna and promises herself to him in exchange for Manrico's freedom. Oh, girl, no. Right? Classic okay. move. Right? Classic. But, so then Leonora is attempting to rescue Manrico, right? And she successfully gets him, like, a chance to leave. But Manrico refuses to leave without her. Okay? That's, can we just uh, mm. pay attention to the fact that Manrico tries to do a rescue... 
fails, gets captured. <laughs> Leonora does her rescue, works, but Monrigo screws it up. It's like right. Mm. Yeah. Do something right, Monrico. Oh, and also yeah, Monrico totally right? drops the ball because when his mother Atsuchena is captured by Diluna, he's literally like at the altar with Leonora. They're like ready to get married. You even hear the organ in the background. And then right as they're about to like go into the church and tie the knot, one of his one of Monrico's men runs on and is like, Atsuchena has been captured. And Monrico just like leaves her there, Leonora. Cause he, and then she's like, what's the big deal that this lady's being captured? And he's like, it's my mother. Right? So. What is he supposed to do? Be like, cool, five minutes. <laughs> I don't know. But I got marry this chick. And then she's all distraught because she realizes you know, that Monrico is. Man and wife. What I mean, like, you would think that they would have shared that, you know, he is part of this gypsy clan that is, you know, at war with the Delunas. Maybe he might have mentioned it. Manrico strikes me as the kind of person (laughs) that is not overly truthful with his partner. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe rushes into things a little bit. Well, he's also, like, crazy jealous because at one point, Deluna's, like, singing outside Leonora's balcony and she mistakes... Him for Monrico, remember mm. they're brothers and they don't know it, right? Mm. And so she like hears De Luna and she's like, oh, that's Monrico, my love, but she doesn't actually see him. So she's like creeping closer and closer to him. Mm. And then uh, she like puts her, well, in one staging I saw, she like puts her hand down so they like touch hands. She doesn't know that it's De Luna. Also, and then Monrico like barges in and he's like, you whore, right? Well, I <laughs> mean, so, not to take Monrico's side, but in the opera, it's impossible to confuse the two men for each other because one is a tenor and one is baritone. They don't well, sound alike. Well, but that's like, like suspension of belief a little bit, right? A little bit. I've suspended my disbelief enough. <laughs> okay. Well, continue that suspension for just a moment. Ugh. So, Monrico has a moment to leave, but he refuses to go without Leonora. And so, Leonora, before this happens, she has, like, poison in a ring on her finger, and mm. she poisons herself. Right. Because she's like, I'm not going to give myself to him anyway. And... So she poisons herself to save herself from Diluna. I just imagine like, how does everybody have like a, a poison ring? You know? <laughs> Actually, it was a pretty like a pretty popular thing, just in case. Legitimately. Yeah, like in stories or in the world. No, in life, like, like yeah. poison rings, little poison, secret poison vials and stuff like that, like. Just in case. Like, actually, know. historically, people carried around poison yeah. just in case. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up for you. That's insane. Well, I mean, it could be handy. And the people always said that poison was like a woman's weapon, right? Uh, because right. she could like slip it into something. I'm just imagining. And then like also, it's like, you know, which is worse? Poison <laughs> <laughs> which is worse, being taken advantage of by someone or poisoning yourself with, you know, your little handy stash of poison? Well, so. I guess it's not fair for me to comment on. You can buy them on Etsy now. <laughs> You're joking. <laughs> no, they're there. Actual poison ring. Oh, but that's not. There's not poison in the ring. You don't know. I, I think I do know. <laughs> well, poison rings must be out. Kyle will order way. one and see. You know, he'll scope it out. <laughs> I'm not gonna test it on myself no. if that's what you mean. Good, good. 
Jeez. Okay. Right. Every, okay. Everybody has a poison ring. Right. So All she right. poisons herself. At least the women have poison rings. Right. I okay. I can't believe I'm the only one. Lainar poisons by her. That. Poisons herself, and she basically dies there on the stage in front oh, of brutal. Enrico. And Di Luna is just, you know, pretty distraught about this because he was in love with Leonor as well. And right. now there's no reason to keep Manrico alive. So mm. he kills Manrico. <sighs> right? And then... It's all happening so fast. Atsuchena, who's like witnessing the whole thing, is like, ha, 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 you <laughs> just killed your own brother. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so then... <laughs> she reveals the brotherhood oh, and man. then Di Luna is like left distraught because he's basically like kind of by second degree ended up killing the woman he loves and killing his own brother mm-hmm. all in an attempt to get revenge for the brother he thought was burned. Mm. But you messed up, bro. Yeah. Wait, so and the audience knows from the beginning that they are brothers? Okay, the audience is not told explicitly that they are brothers, mm-hmm. but you're supposed to know that because you've read the stories mm-hmm. or you know what's happening oh. before the curtain rises. But then also there's these times where like Atsuchena comes really, really close to telling Manrico, and mm-hmm. he just is kind of clueless and he doesn't get it. So there's one point where he says to her, like, Mother, I, I had Di Luna within my grasp. I was, like, this close to him. I could have stabbed him right then and there, and this all would have been over. But some mysterious power stayed my hand, right? And then, so she kind of alludes in her response that, well, of course, mysterious power stayed your hand because, like, you're actually mm-hmm. connected, but then he's like, what does that mean? And she's like, oh, nothing, nothing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> nothing, so, nothing, so nothing So there you go, not smart. Right, and... Man, how great of a plot twist would that be, though, if you didn't know? And, and then when Atsu Chain is like, oh, you just killed she's your brother! Like... And you just, oh, man. As yeah. an, like, if that was in a movie, you'd be like, no. <laughs> well, then, 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 like, the whole time, there's some duet parts between Atsuchena and Manrico, and there's all this, like, motherly guilting of him. Like, I'm your mother. I raised you. Like, you oh, have to defend geez. me. Like, do the honorable thing. And it's, like, all this time, it's almost like she's faking love for this mm-hmm. child because she just wants the revenge of Di Luna killing his own brother. Yeah, can we address the fact that even though she, then she's not biologically... Monrico's mother, she still raised him yeah. for like 20 years. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So she was for, his mother. Yeah, she was his mother. And so then she like celebrated the death of her son a second time. I guess the first time she didn't celebrate. But that's messed up. It is messed up. Worst person ever, Atsuchena. Mm, definitely. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Do we, Maybe. So when you watch the opera, what do you just, you hate Di, Di Luna, presumably. Well, I mean, he's sort of evil, but then... Do you feel bad for him at the end? Well, yeah. I mean, he, he like, doesn't know that it's his own brother. Mm. I mean, I don't feel that bad because he's, cr- like, obviously... He was going to, you know, rape this woman. Eat, right. So. And, he, yeah, and kill them all anyway. Manrico, Atsuchena, everybody. So... Yeah. Okay. But, so we got what was coming. But it's interesting when you think about some things. And there's some, like interesting little musical things about it and so um we've we've listened to no music yeah we did the whole episode with no clips so why don't we listen to something naomi what you feeling Hmm. 
We listen, by the way, uh, now that we're just a few minutes past, uh, we listened to the famous Anvil Chorus. Oh, that's right. Coming in, that was our sound effect. Right. Hopefully, that's really what the opera is, well, not the only thing it's famous for, but it's super famous yeah. for the Anvil Chorus. So if you want to hear that, go ahead and, and rewind back, listen to the whole thing again. Yep. Yeah, our beautiful rendition. Okay, so there's a really great part where... So the part I was describing where Monrico is about to marry Leonora and you hear the organ in the background mm -hmm. and then a man runs, like one of his um, soldiers runs in and is like, your mother's been captured. Then he basically gathers all of his men to war to go take his mother back. And it's that moment is one of the greatest, most difficult tenor arias, Di Qualapira. And so it's really like you know, we are going to be victorious in battle kind of thing. And mm -hmm. every tenor that, you know, dreams of singing this role, dreams about it because of this aria, it's mm -hmm. really, really high, and you sing it with, like, intense chest voice. And so you have singers like Pavarotti, and, you know, everyone mm -hmm. has sung this, and it's very famous. And so... Can we listen to Pavarotti? We can listen to Pavarotti singing Di Quella Piera and... When you listen to it, you'll be like, yeah, I believe that he's going to be able to rescue her. Like, listen to him. He sounds super confident. So. I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Oh, my God. 
super good. Right? I I mean, when you have the suspension of belief, it's wonderful. Because I, I can't help but think during that also that, like, oh, so you couldn't just quickly say, like, I do and finish your marriage. Right. <laughs> Two seconds. <laughs> Two seconds, have guys. Plenty right. of time to rouse the troops. <laughs> right. That's, oh, man, that's such good yeah. singing, though. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Really great. There's a lot of great musical bits in this, which I think is why, despite the crazy convolutedness of the story and how there's all of this backstory that you never actually overtly told in the opera, mm-hmm. I think that's why it was so successful was because the music was just so good mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. everyone just wanted to go and hear the music and they were totally fine with the story being a little bit wackadoo. Well, I think people kind of liked some Wagadoo, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Take uh, M. Night Shyamalan movies. <laughs> people are all about the twists. Was that a bad example? No, it's okay. But you know what I mean? People, you get a really good plot twist. and you Right. Get, oh. but I feel like all the crazy stuff happens before the opera even starts, and it's not anything that's explained to anyone. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's sort of explained. I mean, the role of Atsuchena, which is a really amazing mezzo role, Mm -hmm. right? She does get a few arias where she's actually telling the story. So she tells this whole story of how she like burned or how the baby got burned on a pyre or something like that. But it's just, it's all kind of woven into this idea of storytelling and it's not always overtly explicitly Mm -hmm. telling you exactly what's going on. But, Hmm. so, but yes, the music is pretty... Pretty amazing. Pretty fantastic. Yeah. I still need to, I need to see it on stage. I've you heard do. some of the music. Mm-hmm. I now know the plot backwards and forwards. <laughs> Thank you, Naomi. <laughs> but I need to see it in action. Right. Yes. It's on, I mean, there's lots of clips of it on YouTube and other places. Yeah. Um, Dolores Zajic sings Atsuchena mm-hmm. in several clips. She's amazing. So. I, and I have seen a lot of images as Dimitri. Dimitri Horostovsky has, has sung Di Luna, and he's pretty fierce looking. So That's the whole time when you were yeah. saying Di Luna. That's what yeah. I was picturing in my head. And it's interesting, too, the fact that when we were talking about earlier, are they twins or who's older, Manrico was actually the older son of the two of them. So mm. in a way, Atsuchena also kind of stole from him the life that D. Luna has, right? Because oh, yeah. Atsuchena is a gypsy and she raises Manrico in this kind of gypsy tribe. They're on the fringes of society, right? They're oppressed. And the D. Lunas are this wealthy, noble mm-hmm. family. And so, in a way, she's stolen Manrico's kind of birthright from him by raising him as her own. And D. Luna assumes the role of the oldest son and gets all the privileges that would have gone to Manrico. Right. Right? Bummer. So, yeah. What the hell, man? What the hell? I think that, that wraps up <laughs> this I series say, from I say us. things like this and inside Elspeth is like, oh. <laughs> I'm dying. Um, thanks for joining us. And we sort of ran the gamut from, you know, misogyny to bagpiping to baby death. <laughs> pretty much all of the what the hell content you know absolutely if you've got an opera that you think has an even crazier plot than the ones that we mentioned yes. tweet us message us on Facebook you know comment on the blog post let us know the Definitely. craziest most what the hell operas 
yeah. ever conceived. Let us know if we missed anything. Fantastic. All right, and we will see you guys in 2017. Oh, this is our, so we're wrapping up for 2016. Yep. Yep. This is our last episode of the calendar, of, of year. The calendar year. Well, everyone, have a, a wonderful holiday celebration. Mm-hmm. Whatever a happy it is New that Year. Yes, yeah, celebrating. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you in 2017. In the future. In the future. <sighs> Thank you so much for listening to Opera After Dark. Is this the intro music? I don't know. Or the sound effect. We should it should be the intro music and then the sound effect should just be more hammering. Just that. <laughs> <laughs> or the it's not always exactly the same. Okay. Yeah.